Welcome to Smith Memorial Online. We're glad you joined us today. We're located in Collinsville, Virginia. At Smith Memorial, our motto is simple, follow Jesus. We'd like to encourage you to check us out online, www.smithmemorialumc.com. There you can find out more information about us, opportunities to serve, and ways to support this ministry through giving. We pray that God would add blessing this day to the hearing and the doing of God's Word. from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, picking up in verse 10. Now I, to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement, and that there be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and in the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one can say they were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether or not I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel. And not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me and for me? Speak to us once again, O God, your solemn message of the gospel. Your message of the inclusion of the Gentile into the covenant relationship in which you had established with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Speak to us once again, O God, the solemn message of who we are in light of your cross. Speak to us once again, O God, the solemn message of who we are in light of our baptisms 
and place in your church. The divisions in which we face may not be in this local body. But right now, we at least confess with our mouths that we are divided as your church. And we need not even just talk about the Methodist church. The truth of the matter is that right now, in this locality of Collinsville, there are many churches that are worshiping separately because of something in which we disagree. We may not be able to fix those things just yet. But we pray as you prayed over us. Let us be one. As you and the Father are one. Place a cross before me. Let none see me but you and your grace alone. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. One of the things that I love even more than the meals that occur for Thanksgiving and Christmas is I love the arguments that our families get into. Don't you love yours too? Y'all's, y'all's families ever argue? Ever? Ever at all? No, it's just my family. All right. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'm the only one in the room, so I won't throw them under the bus. No, I, I remember... Um, I remember recently um, for around Christmas, all of us, uh, we had Christmas with my parents, which is always a challenge for me being a minister, trying to figure out when we're actually going to have Christmas so that we can be relatively in the same uh, time frame of Christmas with each other. So we we'd ended up having Christmas one day after my dad got off work, because if it's in the middle of the, the week, my dad goes back to work the next day, right? So we ended up having Christmas one night after he got off work, and he, he came home from work, and he was tired, and, and we, we opened up our gifts, and then um, my sister went home, and it was, I don't know, 8 o'clock at night, and we were like, let's go look at Christmas lights. I haven't taken the kids to go see Christmas lights at all, and, and we're riding down the road, and, and we're looking at these Christmas lights, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's, a, there's an ad that comes on in the middle of the Christmas music that we're watching, and, and all of us are packed inside of this car, And my dad responds to the ad, and then I respond to my dad, and then my dad and I respond back and forth to each other while we're looking at Christmas lights going through, like this is a drive-through Christmas light section, okay? So like everybody else is looking at the Christmas lights, and my dad and I are kind of going back and forth over these matters that, that separate us. And at the end of it, what I found was I'm struggling to like you right now, Dad. (laughs) How could I possibly be your son, the offspring of you, and we think so different? And and my dad was, was thinking the same thing of me. What on earth did I do to fail in my parenting? That would produce something that would think that way. We got back home that night, and when I moved out of my parents' house, they quickly 
moved my bed out also, so I sleep on the basement on an air mattress when I go home. I have no, there is no room in that inn for me. <laughs> this is great. I can't wait till they listen to this. So, so, so I go home, and, and, uh, and I'm blowing up my air mattress, and, and, um, and then the air mattress had a hole in it. <laughs> so then I'm looking for duct tape to put my air mattress back together. Then I, I fix the air mattress, and, and my dad comes down, and he helps me fix the air mattress, and then he goes upstairs. We shut the lights off in the basement, and then my dad flicks the lights back on. And he says, Cameron, he hollers down the steps. And mind you, my dad doesn't do this very often, ever, okay? And I say, yeah, what's up? And my dad said, even though you think that way, I want to let you know I love you. Have a good night. Right? You see, Paul writes to this church, the Corinthian church, and the reality of this Corinthian church is that uh, if, you re- if you read those first ten verse, first nine verses right before we read today, you know Paul is like, I, I give thanks to God for you all. I, I give thanks to God that you all are, are, are the church, that, that Christ has called you together as this body that's gathering together. And, and I just want you to rem- rem- remember who you are in Christ. I give thanks for you. And then he stops and he says, but let's have a conversation. You all are divided. And you're divided over things that don't matter. You see, when, when, when you first hear Paul in that, that section that I read today, what it sounds like is, is Paul is trying to be like someone's babysitter here. He's, he's just hollering out at all the little kids that are fighting back and forth, and he just says, come on, guys, like, can we please just try to get along with each other for a little while? Can you, can, can you, can you, can you try to get along? Can you try to be the church? Because what we find, at least in this section, and then as 1 Corinthians goes on, I invite you to read this letter. Paul like, gets more, like, steadily more angry with this church as it goes through. But he does it in love. About all these divisions, but he starts with this division. He says, I've, I've received word from Chloe's people that you all have decided to divide yourselves up. Based on who your favorite preacher is. We were talking about it in Sunday school class, and I said, I can just imagine, depending on how long you've been in this church, when you look at that wall out there of those, of those pastors, and you go, that pastor, that was a great pastor. That pastor was pretty decent. I'm glad that one left. This pastor, <laughs> that's a good pastor, right? We do that. That's why my picture's not up there. Y'all can't do that with me yet. <laughs> These people, they're, they're looking at all the pastors they've had in their lives. Here's Paul. Paul came and Paul talked to us for a while, and, and I think that Paul has it right. And, and someone else in the community is going, you know, 
I think, I think Apollos had it right when, when Apollos came here, and, and, and Apollos was, was watering some of those seeds, and I, and I think that, that Apollos is, is the one that we need to follow in, in the teaching of Apollos, and, and someone says, hey, let's not forget Cephas, or, or we'd call him Peter. And let's not forget Peter. Like, Peter was the original one. I follow Peter. And then someone else pops up and says, well, you all can follow all of them. I'm going to follow Christ. So now we have this group of people, some are following what Paul says, some are following what Apollo says, some are following what Peter says, and some are following what Jesus says. They've divided themselves. And Paul looks at them and he says, You're destroying the witness of the church. You're destroying it. Because someone's going to walk inside of here, someone's going to come into our body, and they're going to say, well, I don't know any of them. Who do I follow? No, come, come, join, come join us. This, we're, we got it all right. We're, we're the best one. No, no, come join our group. No, come join our group. And what you find is the person is stuck in the middle and, and Paul's saying you're destroying the witness of Christ and not just in your actions, you're destroying what Christ has done that has made your little body capable of being. Now it's important to remember too that when Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians, he's, he's probably not writing to a mega church, okay? It's not like, oh, there's like, there's uh, all of the Corinthians and all of Corinth are all gathered together in this space. It's, it's this is intimate stuff. You're, you're probably talking about not a church in the hundreds, but a church in the dozens. Where, where people know each other and have to live with each other and talk to each other. And they're fighting. So what does Paul say? He says, brothers and sisters, I urge you I urge you to have the same mind and the same purpose. You see, the individual points of division in Corinth are, are, are merely a symptom. A symptom of an underlying problem. The Corinthians don't understand the cross. The Corinthians don't understand that the way that God has chosen to use the cross to be an upending of their definitions of the way they define themselves and the way they value others. What Paul is saying is, yeah, according to the world, yeah, yeah. Peter may have more weight or Paul may have more weight or Apollos may have more weight in, in the worldly standards. But y'all are missing the point of the cross. The cross has been the undoing of these things. And as we'll talk about over the course of the next couple of weeks, what Paul is going to proclaim is that if we really want to figure out what it means to be one, then we have to understand what Jesus does on the cross. 
But before he jumps into the cross, Paul goes on this other little escapade that I think is equally as important. He begins to talk about baptism. He begins to talk about baptism. Paul, in other points, in other letters, he he talks about baptism, and when he does it, he always, always contrasts old and new. Old life, new life. Old age, new age. In Romans 6, he writes about baptism, and and baptism signals the readers having been buried with Christ in baptism and raised to new life in him. So in Romans 6, what Paul sees is baptism. He says, your old self has died, and you've been risen in Christ. You're not the same person anymore. You're not what separates anymore. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Paul speaks of of the Corinthians. He says, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, having been baptized into one body, having been from drinking from one cup, old forms of identity, old ways of understanding oneself and one's neighbor, these are replaced by membership into one body of Christ that shares in one spirit. Galatians 3, 27 through 29 includes a reference to baptism as the occasion for having put on Christ in whom there is no Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, in whom there is no male or female. Why? For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You see, baptism is paired to an end of the old structures and old self-definitions, and it is a rise into something new. So Paul challenges this Corinthian church that's dividing themselves, and he asks the simple question, has Christ been divided? And then he follows that with two more questions. Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? Well, what's the answer to all three of those? No. No, we weren't. Christ has not been divided. Even if the Corinthians are going around acting like he has. Paul, Peter, Apollos were not crucified for you. No matter if you all don't like me and lead me to a crucifixion, I won't be crucified for you. Your neighbor who does a heroic act will not be crucified for you. Only Christ. You, at some point, whether it be in this church or in some other church or in a, down by the river, when you were baptized, you were not baptized into the name of the person who puts you in the water. You were baptized in the name of Christ. You see, Paul's choice to talk about baptism at the start of this letter concerned principally with divisions in the church is not random. 
Paul mentions baptism not just because Christ is more important than Paul or because Paul has hardly baptized anyone in Corinth. But Paul's point is that the unity that he seeks for the church comes from their shared connection to one another. Through baptism, to the one who was crucified for them. A person tells a story of a meeting at his church. The group had six people inside of the church talking about how to be more multicultural and how to share more in their diversity. You see, the small congregation was in a place um, in the city of Miami. And this congregation had Haitians, African Americans, Caucasians, Latinos. And at the meeting, as the conversation went on, one of those present became more and more agitated. Finally, this woman named Beverly spoke up. She banged her hand on the table and exclaimed why the discussion was so angry, was angering her so much. She said, we are not social experiments. We are a church. What matters, she said, was that we are God's children. And as being God's children, as being baptized into Christ, we are already diverse. We just can't see it through our old definitions. You see, the Corinthians do not know what Beverly knew. Often we don't know it either. We know that baptism is a sign of God's palpable forgiveness. We know that baptism is an entrance right into a congregation, into what we would call the body of Christ. We we know that baptism is a sign. It points to something of God's eternal promise to be in relationship to the one being baptized. But what we often don't think of baptism is this. When someone is baptized, we, we, we often don't think that anything actually changes. And that's the problem. When we, we often don't think of baptism as actually changing anything about the way we identify with a group of people. And that's the problem. When we talk about someone, we, we still use the old identity markers. We look to things like race, age, economic circumstances, education, geographical region. I mean, we, we create these meaningful boundaries to identify which tribe we belong to. But the reality of it is, is that if our congregation or any congregation 
manages to build a community to have Paul's words in mind that we would have the same mind and purpose with one another across these standard identity markers. That we are practicing diversity. We just think about them as saying like, we, this is a remarkable social experiment. We have other looking people here with us. But Paul, however, would regard such a community gathered in the Spirit in the name of Christ as something more than just a social experiment. Paul would call it the church. We would do well to call it the church ourselves. In our baptisms, whether you like it or not, the person who is being baptized is having something done to them by God through the Spirit in the church. And what that is, is that that person is being changed. When we baptize infants, and when I hold the infant, there's never a point in my life when I've baptized a child where I did not think this. I am literally putting this child to death. That's what's happening. And they are rising new in Christ. Something has changed. They are not who they were. They are Christ's. They are God's children. They are not whatever I label them out to be. They are Christ's. And Christ died for them. What would it look like? I'll leave with this. What would it look like if the first thing we started to identify ourselves as was baptized? Our, Our brothers and sisters that have different skin color than ours, what would it look like if the first thing we said to them was not their difference in skin color, but the similarity of we are baptized? Or the person who has a lot and the person who has a little. And the first thing we say to each other is not the differences we have, but we both share a commonality because we are baptized. And when we are baptized, we die in Christ and we rise in Christ. And it's all the same regardless of who you are. It's all the same grace. It's the same death. It's the same life. Any division in between is ours. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.